0: Peace be upon you. So repeatedly in the Quran, God informs us that the only source for religious laws should come from the Quran alone. The verse that most clearly articulates this point can be found in Surah 6, verse 114 and 115, and it reads, Shall I seek other than God as a source of law when he has revealed to you this book fully detailed? those who receive the scripture recognize that it has been revealed from your lord truthfully you shall not harbor any doubt the word of your lord is complete in truth and justice nothing shall abrogate his words he is the Hearer, the omniscient so these two verses fully encompass that the only religious laws a follower of muhammad a follower of the quran should uphold is that of what is written in the Quran. That God's words are complete, they're fully detailed, and nothing shall abrogate His words. Meaning that we should not follow any other command that is going to contradict the commandments given to us by God in the Quran. Furthermore, in regards to Sunnah, the Quran again repeatedly tells us that the only Sunnah we are to follow is that of God's sunnah. In Surah 35, verse 43, it reads, you will find that God's sunnah is never changeable. You'll find that God's sunnah is immutable. In Surah 48, 23, the same phrase is uh, stated, it says, such is God's sunnah throughout history. And you will find that God's sunnah is unchangeable. In the Quran, God repeatedly tells us that the only source of law we are to follow is that of the Qur'an, and the only sunnah we are to follow is that of God's. Yet despite this, so many people blindly follow hadith, false narrations attributed to the Prophet that completely contradict God's words in the Qur'an. Usually when individuals are called out for this, their immediate response is, well how do you know how to do the salat without the hadith and the sunnah? And what's interesting about this argument is that this is simply a cop-out to the fact that they do not want to follow the Quran, that they think the Quran is lacking and they need other sources in order to complete their religion. The way that you can tell that the person is insincere when they bring up this argument regarding uh, the the, the salat and hadith and sunnah is ask them, if the salat, if I can show you exactly how to perform the salat to the T in the Quran, would you follow it? And most people apprehensively will say yes, but you know that they're lying. And the way you can tell that they're lying is ask them, how do they perform their abolition, their wudu? And typically, if someone is honest, they'll tell you that their ablution consists of some 8 to 11 steps. That it consists of uh, washing the mouth three times, rinsing the nose, cleaning the ears, uh, doing these things that are never decreed. And then you show them the verse in the Quran that verbatim tells you exactly how to perform their, your abolition. And they're dumbfounded. In Surah 5 verse 6, it says, O you who believe when you observe the contact prayer salat, you shall one, wash your faces, two, wash your arms to the elbows, three, wipe your heads, and four, wash your feet to the ankles. And that's it. This is the commandment given by God. Now, you have to ask yourself, where are these other commandments coming from? Where did they get the idea of rinsing your nose or washing first your right arm, then your left arm, washing three times, uh, rinsing your ears? Where did this come from? Are you telling me that the prophet Muhammad, he received a divine revelation from God on how to perform his abolition, yet he decided to go his own route and make up his own steps? This is absurd to think that he would have followed any other commandment other than the command directly given to him by God. In Surah 69 verse 40, it tells us what would have happened if Muhammad gave any other instructions other than what was decreed to him in the Quran. It says, this is the utterance of an honorable messenger, not the utterance of a poet, rarely do you believe, nor the utterance of a soothsayer, rarely do you take heed. A revelation from the Lord of the universe, Had he uttered any other teachings, we would have punished him. And the Arabic, the the literal Arabic is seized him by the right hand. It says we would have stopped the revelations uh, to him. And again, the Arabic, the literal Arabic is cut him off by the uh, aorta. None of you could have helped him. This is a reminder for the righteous. Muhammad was incapable of carrying out any other command that was given to him by God. Surah 33, verse 36 tells us, No believing man or believing woman, if God and his messenger issue any command, has any choice regarding that command. Anyone who disobeys God and his messenger has gone far astray. What's fascinating is this verse comes immediately after how Muhammad was too intimidated to uh, marry the divorced wife of his adopted son. Mean that Muhammad had to follow this command just like every other believer. Meaning when God issues a commandment in the Quran, Muhammad would have been the first to follow it. To think that Muhammad heard what the, the abolition was, the wudu was, heard the verse of the Quran, but went on a different path and came up with additional steps. Portrays Muhammad as someone who did not follow the command of God and what a blasphemy that is. But really... What are the followers of Hadith really wanting to uphold when they claim that the Quran is lacking information and they need these additional sources? Because the irony is, this argument towards, oh, you need the Hadith and Sunnah in order to be able to do your Salat is fundamentally flawed because you will not find a single Hadith that details exactly how to perform the Salat. And even the ones that have fragments contradict one another. So what benefit are the Hadith and Sunnah if they don't even serve that one purpose that people keep articulating? 99% of the Hadith collected were already disregarded by the collectors as untrustworthy. And the ones that they kept, they preserved, the vast majority of these are ridiculous or they contradict the Quran. Individuals who follow Hadith are following fabrications never authorized by God and they promote them. God commands us against doing such things. In Surah 40, verse 73 through 75, it says, they will be asked on the day of judgment, where are the idols you used to worship? Beside God, they will say they have abandoned us. In fact, when we worship them, we were worshiping nothing. Thus does God send the disbelievers astray. This is because they used to rejoice in false doctrines on earth and used to promote them. When individuals are promoting Hadith, they're literally doing this. They're rejoicing in the, uh, the promotion of false doctrines that have never been authorized by God. And the promotion of such doctrines in defiance of God's commands in the Quran is blatant idol worship. Because we are accepting a false narration over the proven word of God in the Quran. God gives us this example in Surah 6, verse 121. It says, Do not eat from that upon which the name of God has not been mentioned, for it is an abomination. And here's here's the rub. It says, The devils inspired their allies to argue with you. If you obey them, you will be idol worshippers. And this is the definition of idol worship. God tells us to do one thing, but we choose to follow some other source. Therefore, that other source becomes our idol. These individuals who are promoting and following Hadith that contradict the Quran, that have never been authorized by God, that are falsely attributed to the Prophet, they are committing the most egregious act of idol worship specified in the Quran. Now, you can spend days, weeks, a lifetime going over the nonsense that exists in the Hadith. And I'm not going to bore you with the endless amounts of just gibberish that's in there that contradicts the Quran. But this one recently it came on my radar. And it's just like, it, you know, my jaw drops open. So this is a, a narration by Aisha. I can tell you for sure she did not say this. This is a fabrication. But this is what the Hadith claims. It says, Fatima came to the Prophet and said, O Messenger of Allah, I am a woman whose blood keeps flowing even after the menstruation. I am never purified. Should I therefore stop praying? He, the Prophet, said, No, for that is only a vein and is not menstruation. So when the menstruation comes, abstain from prayers. And when it ends, wash the blood from yourself and then pray. We have a hadith here that apparently the Prophet Muhammad is commanding women not to do their salat when they're menstruating. This has no foundation in the Quran. This is a complete blasphemy, and God calls this out in Surah 96, verse 9 through 11. It says, Have you seen the one who enjoins others from praying? Is it not better for him to follow the guidance? These individuals who collected this Hadith, who spread it, and the millions of people follow it, they are promoting baseless, false commandments that are never authorized by God, and advocating for women not to pray while they're menstruating, which is a big portion of their life. What a blasphemy. But why is it that people feel so compelled to uphold these false narrations? I mean, what is there of value that they see in this? Here's another hadith from Abu Huraira. It reads, Allah's messenger said, If one of you feels disturbance in his stomach and doubts whether he has released some wind or not, then he should not leave the mosque unless he hears its sound or smells its odor. This is what people want to uphold. This is what people want to take over the Quran, the words of God from the Quran. They prefer to talk about someone passing gas, and if they hear it or smell its odor, then they're allowed to leave the uh, the mosque. This nonsense, it's interesting. I mean, it's easy to make the claim of, oh yeah, we have to follow the, the Hadith, how else are we going to know Salat? Because that sounds defensible. When you actually read what it is that they're defending, this is not defensible. These not only contradict the verses of God in the Quran, they make the, the God's religion into a mockery, into a ridicule. And this is what, again, people are fighting tooth and nail to uphold, to enforce. In debate, this tactic of bringing up Salat, when realistically what you're defending is less defensible, is called the moat and bailey fallacy. What this fallacy does is that in a debate, the arguer will conflate two positions that share similarities. One modest and easy to defend, that's the moat, and one much more controversial, the bailey. What happens is that when you discuss, should we uphold hadith, the arguments people typically give is the ones that are more defendable. They say, oh, we need this in order to do, uh, how to do our Salat. Uh, We need this in order to better understand the historical aspects of what was happening at the time of the revelation. But when you actually read the Hadith and how it portrays the believers at that time as bloodthirsty, stoning, uh, barbaric individuals who don't understand science, don't understand morality, Uh, That becomes a much more harder position to defend. And what happens is they ignore that argument in order to create this false narrative that it's like, oh no, what we want to preserve is the Salat. And again, the, the funny thing about that is that there is no Hadith, there is no Sunnah that tells detailed how to perform these. And the ones that do exist, they contradict one another left and right. And if you care for another example of just how ridiculous these hadith are, that again, people are fighting in order to preserve, trying to establish their quote-unquote Sharia law to uphold these precedents. Here's another one, narrated by Talik bin Ali. I don't even want to read this, but this is what it says. says, A man said, I touched my penis. Or he said, does a man who touch his penis during the prayer should perform wudu ablution? The prophet replied, no, it is only a part of your body. (laughs) I mean, this is the kind of stuff that people don't want to admit that are in the hadith. And these are funny. I mean, at least this isn't talking about stoning of women and doing all these heinous acts and justifying, you know, uh, um, child marriage and all kinds of just disgusting behavior. This one at least is funny. But as if this hadith itself is not comical enough, you go to the immediate next hadith, same narrator it says Allah's messenger said he who touches his penis should perform ablution." <laughs> so which one is it do you perform ablution when you touch your penis or do you not i mean not only are these a joke not only are these a mockery of god's religion They contradict one another. For something as simple as this, the same narrator said the contradictory information. One of them is if you touch your privates, you have to perform abolition. The other one is like, no, it's part of your body. And again, why are people so adamant to uphold this? We have this perfect book, this Quran, inspired by God, delivered to mankind. That's absolutely perfect. No contradictions, no ambiguity. Examples of everything. Yet people choose to uphold this other garbage. You know, the Quran, it leads to enlightenment. While Hadith leads to confusion. On the Day of Judgment, God tells us what Muhammad will say about his people. It reads in 2530, it says, The Messenger said, My Lord, my people have deserted this Quran. You don't hear the Prophet saying on the Day of Judgment, My people have deserted these false narrations, these hadith that they attributed to me. It's No, the Quran was Muhammad's message to mankind. And if that's not clear enough, in Surah 21, verse 10, it says, We have sent down to you a scripture containing your message. Do you not understand? The sole duty of the Prophet Muhammad was to deliver this message. Now some people make the argument, they say, well what about the inspiration that Muhammad had as far as like the vision or the the, uh, orders during battle? Is that not proof that he had other revelations? And the answer to that is like, sure, that's fine. The people at that time who were amongst him, who were given these commandments, they had to uphold it. But this is not applicable for us today. Because if it was, God would have included it in the Quran. Because the Quran is what God guarded And preserved for future generations. In Surah 5, verse 50, it reads, Is it the laws of days of ignorance they seek to uphold? Whose law is better than God's for those who have attained certainty? These are the laws that God wants us to uphold. It's in the Quran, not these false narrations attributed again erroneously to the Prophet against his will. In Surah 4, verse 60, it says, Have you noted those who claim, they believe in what was revealed to you and what was revealed before you, then uphold the unjust laws of their idols? They were commanded to reject such laws. Indeed, it is the devil's wish to lead them far astray. God is repeatedly telling us that the only source of religious law we are to uphold is that of the Quran. Yet these individuals are aching at the bit of um, upholding unjust laws of their idols. And the reason, again, that they are their idols is because they are setting that up as another source beside God. And God told us in Source 6, verse 121, that if you accept other information aside from what God commanded you and you uphold that other information, then that source, the the provider of that source, becomes their idol. So these people, without their knowledge, are blindly worshipping Individuals like Bukhari, who disseminated information that contradicted the Quran, the second they choose to uphold that, over find the Quran alone. In Surah 39 verse 23 it reads, God has revealed herein the best hadith, a book that is consistent and points out both ways to heaven and hell. The skins of those who reverence their Lord cringe therefrom, Then their skins and their hearts soften up for God's message. Such is God's guidance. He bestows it upon whomever he wills. As for those who are sent astray by God, nothing can guide them. And it continues in 39.27. It says, We have cited for the people every kind of example in this Quran, that they may take heed An Arabic Quran without any ambiguity, that they may be righteous. God is telling us this book, has every kind of example that we need for our salvation. To think that we need another source means that you don't believe in the words of God in the Quran. It continues in 39.29. It says, God cites the example of a man who deals with disputing partners. Think of that as Hadith. Compare to a man who deals with one consistent source. Think of that as the Quran. Are they the same? Praise be to God. Most of them do not know. So God is giving us an example of someone who's dealing with disputing partners. And when you read the Hadith, what do you see? Contradictions, things that not only contradict the Quran, but it even contradicts itself. Compared to someone who follows the Quran alone, one consistent source. These two are not equal. It's interesting. Sometimes you'll see people, they'll say, Oh, you're uh, changing the translation because the word Hadith also just means narration. Uh, But the fact is God knew That this word hadith, what it was going to entail. And he already put this word inside the Quran. Knowing full well that people were going to call the narrations attributed to the prophet hadith. And it continues in 3930. It says, you Muhammad will surely die just like they will die. On the day of resurrection before you, your people will feud with one another. Why would they be feuding? It's because, again, they are not following the one consistent source. The vast majority of people who claim to follow the prophet are following lies attributed to him and are not following the message that came out of his own mouth. And it continues, Who is more evil than one who attributes lies to God while disbelieving in the truth that has come to him? Is hell not a just requital for the disbelievers? God is telling us the worst act someone can do is commit vice and sin and immorality and attribute that to God. And that's what these Hadith do. And God is telling us that those who do this, that there's none more evil than one who attributes lies to God while disbelieving in the truth that has come to him in the Quran. And it continues in 39.33, it says, As for those who promote the truth herein and believe therein, they are the righteous. They will get everything they wish at their Lord, such as the reward for the righteous. God remits their sinful works and rewards them generously for the good works. The book we need to be promoting, the only source of guidance we need to be following is that of the Quran and not any other source. And it continues in thirty nine thirty six with the most profound question. It says Is God not sufficient for his servant? They frighten you with the idols they set up beside him. Whomever God sends astray, nothing can guide him. God is informing us that a sign of a true believer, someone who believes in the hereafter, is an individual who believes that God is sufficient for them. That the words of God inspired to the prophet, written in the Quran, is all we are going to follow and all we need in order to be guided. The creation of hadith was a test for mankind to see those who follow God and his word in the Quran or those who are deceived by the devil. In Surah 6, verse 109, it says, They swear by God solemnly that if an ayat came to them, an ayat means a miracle or even could be a single verse, they would surely believe, say, ayat come only from God. For all you know, if it did come to them, they would continue to disbelieve. These people are asking for an ayat. They're asking for a miracle, a sign, a verse. And God is telling them that even if He gives it to them, they're going to continue to disbelieve. And it continues in 6110, It says, we control the minds and their hearts. Thus, since their decision is to disbelieve, we leave them in their transgressions blundering. Even if we sent down the angels to them, Even if the dead spoke to them, even if we summoned every miracle before them, they cannot believe unless God wills it. Indeed, most of them are ignorant. And now the following verse informs us why God allowed these hadith to not only be created but to be proliferated among the Muslim ummah. It reads, We have permitted the enemies of every prophet, human and jinn devils, to inspire in each other fancy words in order to deceive. Had your Lord willed, they would not have done it. You shall disregard them and their fabrications. This is to let the minds of those who do not believe in the hereafter listen to such fabrications and accept them and thus expose their real convictions." God is informing us that this is the test that the human being had to go through. Those people who claim to follow the prophet, all they've done is they've turned these hadith into their idols. That they're following fabrications attributed to the prophet that contradict the direct word of God in the Quran. And this continues to 6.114, where it says, Shall I seek other than God as a source of law when he has revealed to you this book fully detailed? Those who receive the scripture recognize that it has been revealed from your Lord truthfully. You shall not harbor any doubt. The word of your Lord is complete in truth and justice. Nothing shall abrogate his words. He is the hearer, the omniscient. God is telling us that his word is complete, it's fully detailed, that nothing should change his word, nothing shall abrogate his words in the Quran. The second people start upholding these hadith, they're upholding sources that contradict the Quran, that defy... The words of God in the Quran that it's complete, it's fully detailed, it has all the answers to any of our problems. It's showing disbelief in God and in the hereafter, one of the minimum requirements to make it in the hereafter. And it continues, in 6:116. it says, If you obey the majority of people on earth, they will divert you from the path of God. They follow only conjecture, they only guess. How often is it that when you talk to someone who's upholding the Hadith and the Sunnah, their primary argument is, look who's in the majority. Do you think these billions of people are wrong? And they think that this is securing them because they have the majority on their side. Well, the reality is, one with God is always the majority. And if you're following the truth herein, we don't care about these scare tactics that they use by employing their idols to instill fear into us because we stand with God alone and follow the Quran alone. God willing, we're going to end there. If you guys got comments or questions, please hit us up at QuranTalk at gmail.com. If you want to follow along the verses of the Quran, please download the Quran Study app on the iOS app store or go to QuranStudyApp.com. And if you like the podcast, please share it with other people. I've been more active recently on Twitter under the handle Talk Ron would love to build a community to let this message get out to let more people know that they should not be following such false fabrications and until next time peace and god bless